This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. The Reds visit the Blues as Derby Day awaits, with the transfer window closing. Frustrations may mellow as Liverpool eventually land a midfielder. And as Jurgen Klopp <laughs> prepares his pupils to visit the School of Science, does Darwin get a return? We'll bring you our team selector, as well as our match predictions as ever. To get into it all, we have the Chief Ian Doyle, the O Squires in the face that runs the face, Joe Rimmer. Chaps, I trust you're all well and uh, well, Doily, Derby Day, just round the corner. How much are you excited for it? How much are you looking forward to a trip to Goodison Park? What do you look think? At, <laughs> look at that excited face. Ian's always excited about something. I've been, obviously, in a former life, I used to cover Everton as well for 18 years. So, you know, it's nothing new to me. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to the food's quite good now at Everton. So the press get a nice breakfast. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I mean, anybody who goes to these games will know there really is nothing to look forward to. They're terrible. Everybody absolutely dreads them. You know, I mean, okay, for the they're, they're for a lot for the match-going fans and the ones who are in and around, you know, Liverpool or an area where you're, right, you're going to bump into a lot of Everton fans. I'd imagine for people a bit further afield, with Everton being a very much a, you know, for for you know, right or wrong reasons at the moment, they are more a local concern than Liverpool. They're more of a global team, so. You know, I think for fans more afield, they don't see this perhaps as a bigger game as against Manchester United or Manchester City. Still bigger than Arsenal, playing Arsenal. Um, but I think for for those who've been brought up with the derby, they know that this is the game. First game they look for on the fixture list. First game, the, you know, the, the, the dreading and the one thing you don't want to do is lose whichever side you're on, which is why at Goodison, which I'm sure we'll get on to, I think eight of the last ten have been draws. So... You know, there has been that, but Liverpool have a great record in this in this fixture, certainly under Jurgen Klopp, they only lost one, and that's when nobody was there. So does it really count if, if nobody's there? I don't know. Uh, and so basically we, uh, yeah, the answer to your question, no. No, definitely. <laughs> big, big again, taking on the mighty league leaders. I've got to get that one in there whilst... The mighty uh, league leaders, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, well, if, if, yeah, they haven't played anybody yet. Haven't played anybody. Well, I played, played Fulham, yeah. No, uh, Theo, in, in terms lost. of... Yeah, in terms of the derby, we'll, we'll get into it more going forward. But let's let's reflect on transfer deadline day and Artemelo coming in to Liverpool. Unlikely that he's going to feature in the derby. But what's your assessment on on Liverpool moving late? Um, it's a strange one in the sense that it's a full Brazil international who's played for Barcelona and Juventus. He cost like seventy five million pounds when he went to Juventus. He's this good age for a midfielder. But it's a loan right at the last minute for a player they hadn't really been linked with at all. And it's only really a response after losing Jordan Henderson to injury. He's not been at his best at Barcelona or Juventus. He's had injury problems. It's whether Jurgen Klopp can unlock this potential that was in him that made Barcelona so keen to sign him from Gremio in the first place. Obviously, a player in there. Uh, it's just whether Liverpool's the right place to see that. It, even if the international clearance had come in, it would have been a big ask for him to play against Everton for his debut, Merseyside derby. When he's not played yet this season. I think Doyley pointed out yesterday he's not actually played since like May. So his match fitness isn't going to be there regardless of the report saying, oh, he thinks he's ready. It's going to take a bit of time to get up to speed. But then it's interesting, I suppose, that there's the option, apparently, that Juventus confirmed in this loan for Liverpool to actually sign in for, what was it, 35, 37 million, something around that. 
And it's like, well, he could be the face of Liverpool's future in midfield when you think the players they've got out of contract with the ones with injuries. If he can stay clear of the injury, he's one of the few midfielders in the Liverpool squad now that is at that peak age that Pop spoke about today at this conference. And it's about seeing if he can carry it on forward. It's whether he's a number six or a number eight. We'll find out over the course of the season. It's this year-long audition. So after he signed, I realised I actually saw him in person last year when I did a scouting mission in Italy, saw him play for Juventus. I can say I don't remember anything of his performance at all. It was only against Malmo, so I'm not sure what we can take from that, whether it means he, he was uh, pretty anonymous or just not a game to judge him on. But we'll, we'll see more of him in the, the weeks and months ahead, and then we'll see if it's actually a, a shrewd bit of business from Liverpool or if it was just a desperate panic buy at the end of the window because they needed an extra body. We'll wait and see if they'll go for someone else next summer. A classic Theo Squires scouting mission, then go to watch a player and didn't even realise he was playing. That that just about sums sums it all up. Joe, in terms of yourself, where where are you sitting on kind of this move for a midfielder? I mean, we had Jamie Carragher on the podcast before the, the transfer window had even opened and he said Liverpool desperately need a midfield player. Jurgen Klopp referenced it before the Newcastle game, pretty much hinting as, as heavily as he could that Orlin Chouameni was the man they wanted. But then they leave it through the course of the window and eventually come up with a, a loan for a player who, quite frankly, has got a, a very poor injury track record. Yeah, I mean, I've made no secret the fact on pods that I've um, thought they need a midfielder all summer. Um, you know, I, I think Klopp didn't, he spoke recently about wanting to take more risks and I think that sort of hinted at you know, they wanted Tishuemi or Tishumini <laughs> couldn't get him and, and decided to wait. I think Klopp probably would have liked them to, to have taken a risk on somebody else and, and they have now taken a, a very big risk late in the window on a player with a, a bit of a checkered in, injury record. I sort of think it's a body, he comes with a lot of experience, he knows some of the squad from the Brazil setup. Um, you know, it, it makes sense in many ways, doesn't it? Um, I think anything Liverpool get out of him is a bonus really. I, I don't think they'll They'll have massively high hopes um, for it, but as Theo says, you know the, the thirty-seven million release, uh, sorry, buyout clause is good. You know, if he, if he is any good, then at least Liverpool have a obtainable price that they can get him for, and you know, I think that that sort of sweetens the deal a little bit. So, yeah, I just, you know, I, I actually think we we praise Liverpool a lot for planning, and they, and rightly so. You know, I think they barely ever go wrong in the transfer market. They've um, They've bought good players pretty much almost the entire time Klopp's been in charge. But I think this window has been a bit chaotic, really, in some ways. You know, I think that they really did need a midfielder. I think they've left themselves short. They've now got a squad that, unfortunately, is quite injury-prone in that, that area of the pitch. And, you know, I think, I think really, they should have seen this coming. Uh, you know, I don't think that these injuries are anything new. I think they're quite predictable. And, um, you know... I look at next summer and think whatever happens, there's going to have to be a, a high turnover of players in midfield. They're going to have to spend quite a bit of money. Um, and it's another year gone, another year older for, for certain players who, um, you know, are in their prime. So I, I, it's a difficult one. But yeah, I, I'm slightly disappointed in the way that they've um, gone about things this summer. And, you know, I'm pleased they've got someone in, but it feels quite late, quite desperate. 
Yeah, it feels a bit haphazard, really, doesn't it? Doily, I mean, Jordan Henderson's injury seems to be the one that's that's pushed Liverpool to act, perhaps, albeit don't have a time scale on that. But when you, you look at the other <coughs> midfield options, and Jurgen Klopp was asked about it today in his press conference, you look at the likes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he will have already been out for, what, two months or, or getting on to since he, he pulled up in pre-season. Naby Keita since the Manchester United game and maybe the the feeling from Jurgen Klopp in his press conference today didn't sound as though that one's probably going to be a, a quick fix, to put it one way. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's quite obvious what's happened is that they wanted to sign the lad from Monaco's name I can't pronounce. He's gone to Real Madrid instead. On the basis of said just me hasn't been able to pronounce I, it. I've, just I've not even tried. I've not even tried, to be honest. No, to be fair, I was I think I was off when they were getting linked initially, so I managed to miss all of that. Um, so, no, they wanted to sign him, and then he, he, you know, he obviously decided to go to Real Madrid. Why he'd want to join the most successful team in the world, I don't know. Uh, and then Liverpool obviously made the decision. I believe, this is this is just my reading of it, is that they were probably looking to, well, they were certainly looking to sell Oxlade-Chamberlain, and they might have listened to, you know, or cater. But I think once they've just, They've just decided to keep hold of the pair of them, and then they both kind of got injured straight away. So you know, it's kind of backfired a little bit. And I think they, they were quite unhappy, or, or they didn't really want to, you know, block the path of. They've mentioned Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, and then of course Curtis Jones gets injured, and then um, then Jordan Henderson does as well. So I think at the last minute they have decided to do something. They'd rather not, and the fact that they've signed him on loan suggests that it's not something that they are looking at long term. If he's a massive success, they've given themselves the option of buying him, but it's not a, a you know, they're not obliged to do it. And we've seen that Liverpool, when they make these loan moves, have they have they ever signed anybody on the back of a loan move ever? No, I was going to say the, the two that, talking ever. The one the that they should have done was an Elka. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say the one they should have done was an Elka, and then we know what happened there. So perhaps there was an example. I'm sure there must have been one somewhere along the line, but I can't really. You're just think making them sound so depressing. You think what Nuri Sain, Mankio, Kolka, Kabak. Well, don't forget, don't Victor forget Moses. that was that was well, Victor Moses, yeah, cost them the league, yeah, um, against Manchester City. Don't don't get me started on that one. Um, so yeah, the uh, there is that kind of sense. Was it a bit, was it a bit haphazard? Well, anybody who signs anyone on, on deadline day, nearly everybody did. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you know, United signed. Who did they sign? Anthony for about two hundred million pounds. Yeah, you know, they got that deadline day record minute. signing. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So there's one. I mean, City signed anyone? I can't remember. He did, didn't Yeah, exactly. So nearly everybody got somebody. So I'm not entirely sure Liverpool's was haphazard. Liverpool's was more, oh, look what's happened. We'll have to do something and we've still got an opportunity to do it. I'm pretty sure if, if Henderson had got injured the week before, they would have signed somebody then. You know what I mean? I just think it's one word. They've looked up the numbers and gone, right, we literally do have to do something now. I know the fact that they haven't signed him on a, on a permanent deal suggests that you know they, they've bought themselves a bit of time to have a look at him. I mean... It's not somebody who's on any of our radars, was it? You know, I must, I've seen him play against Liverpool. I can't remember anything about him. And a quick look, and you're right about his, his injury problems. He's had 15 separate injuries in the last since he's come to Europe four years ago, and he's not been a regular at Barcelona or Juventus. But then Liverpool's argument would probably be they don't expect him to be a, a regular here. He's more of a defensive midfielder than anything. Fabinho's now the only one they've got. Milner could possibly do the job, but he's definitely more a final half-hour kind of player now. And he's actually very good at it, which he, he was in midweek. Visibly, that was at right-back. Uh, and then who's after that? You've got Bashketic, who's a youngster. He's played, what, 20 minutes of first-team football ever? So you can't expose him to that. So see why Liverpool have done it. I haven't really got any qualms with it. 
there's no real, as we mentioned before, no great expectation on uh, on mellow yellow. I'm surprised that Guy didn't call him that in his intro before. I don't think we didn't know that you made, made mention of him, Guy. Tut, tut. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because you know we've seen so many supporters on social media. Well, I've seen them messaging me. Just basically sign of midfield, sign of midfield, sign of midfield. And then they got one in and they're like, but not that one. Yeah, I did I did well, feel that. Like, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah, I did so, kind of feel that vibe. But yeah, Theo... the, the, the great thing is that it's now it's over and we don't have to talk about it until September the 3rd. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You say it's over talking about transfers. The <laughs> so final one I am I'm gonna throw to you, Theo, is you've written a piece around kind of registration rules for the Champions League and actually how Liverpool are gonna have to configure it. Someone may well have to miss out, but a key part to it all is how few homegrown players maybe there is within that Liverpool squad, which my question to you is if Alex Oxlade Chamberlain's gonna move on, does it not just heighten the need even more that a certain Jude Bellingham is is top of that list for a, a permanent midfield body next summer? Yes and no. It looks on paper short term that there is an issue there. But at the same time, they've got Curtis Jones, who's on list B at the moment. They've got Harvey Elliott, who's on list B at the moment. The only reason they need to register Fabio Carvalho and Calvin Ramsey is because they've only just joined the club. The same for like Bobby Clark, uh, Cade Gordon, Stefan Bacetic, because they've not been in the club two, three years. But by the time they reach 21, They'll have been at the club long enough to be counting as homegrown. So if you've got all these younger players that are doing the business for Liverpool, then they've got plenty of uh, academy-trained players who will fill those spots. But at the same time, Henderson's not getting younger. Milner's not getting younger. Oxlade-Chamberlain's probably going to go. They do need some other players at the other end who can go straight into that starting eleven. Jude Bellingham, he, he does seem the obvious one. He's the one that we know Liverpool like. We know he's a target. It's whether they can get him next summer. When Jurgen Klopp did his press conference before the Newcastle game, he was talking about signing the right player. Not saying they'll go definitely go and sign him, but Jude Bellingham appears to be the right player. He's the one who ticks those boxes as homegrown, someone who could be in that midfield for the next decade. Whereas uh, Arthur, he looks more like, I think Gorsty wrote here today, Mr. Right now. It'll do the job for now, but then it's whether it can be anything beyond that. Um, going back to him, it's almost that little panic there of it's kind of like, Balotelli in the sense of a gamble on him because that you're thinking, oh, it could pay off and we could look like geniuses or it doesn't. You're putting a lot of faith in the manager there to get the true potential out of this player. But Balotelli was always going to backfire and then they were stuck with him, whereas Arthur, or they can either send him back at the end of his loan or if they wanted to sign him, they'd probably sell him a profit or something. It's what Liverpool do, isn't it, with these players? But he's not going to block Elliot or Carvalho. From what we've seen so far from them in the last few weeks, they could easily be first choice by the end of the season. They've been the two best players for the last few weeks. So it's about giving a bit of experience to back them up. They're still going to play in the Champions League this season, even though they're not in the squad. And then they'll take those homegrown places in two, three years' time. And we're not talking about this homegrown quota anymore. But that is what we're talking about with Liverpool's forward thinking. They're planning. We say they plan transfer windows two, three years in advance. This is what they're doing behind the scenes to make sure they've got the players that what is currently an issue isn't in the long term. Uh, can I just say that's a little bit harsh on Arthur. He's called <laughs> Arthur, isn't he? He's not Arthur. He's not Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. He's not Arthur. Arthur. Yeah, he's, he's not. not Arthur. He's, he's not. Arthur. Let's, he's Arthur. Yeah. 
Is that Fred, a, Arthur. Let's stick to these Arthur, Brazilian Arthur names. and Alisson playing for Liverpool. Who do ever have seen it? Um, yeah, a bit harsh calling Balotelli there because Balotelli <laughs> was, just was completely different in the sense that Liverpool had spent all summer trying to get a striker. And Balotelli came in at the last minute. Having, Wasn't that the same Rogers, then? No, Rogers, some of the summer trying to get Rogers, him Rodgers didn't want him and then suddenly realised there's nobody else left. We may as well take a gamble on him. Because he was, he says he was persuaded by the what was it, the transfer committee at the time that he could turn him into a player, even though no, hang on, turn Balotelli into a player. He'd already played in a European Championship final. I think he can know how to play football, kind of thing. But Arthur or Arthur, as Theo calls it, he's he's not coming in as like the main man, is he? He's kind of like the oh, hang on, we we literally just need someone to help. Me. Sounds terrible. He's there to make up the numbers. That's what he'll be brought in for. He, if they didn't need the numbers, they wouldn't have signed I think him. he's going to be there to play the minutes that Thiago can't always play. I was and, going to say, no, so, he's, going to, he's going to play the minutes that Fabinho can't play when Henderson's injured. And I think he'll then play... You think he'll be that far down the pecking order? Well, hang on. Henderson plays nearly all the games. You know, yeah, so no, he's going I, to be no I get that. But yeah, I do. Yeah, because Fabinho's going to play all the games. Thiago's going to play when he's fit. And he's not yeah. going to, he's going to play Elliot. So he's already behind those three. He, technically, you could argue he's behind Henderson because... If he hadn't, Henderson hadn't been injured, he wouldn't have got four. That's four. And then you've got, he loves Cater when he's fit. So it's, it's. but then Cater might not be back. We don't know when. Doesn't sound like it's going to be anytime soon. Same with Oxford. He played his last game for the club. Go on. Oh, you come on, you're two-footing everybody again, Theo. Two-footing <laughs> yeah. everybody. Better, I read, by, the way, that, by the way, Theo, I read your piece on the on the Champions League having to drop a player. It'll be either Cater or Oxlade Chamberlain, surely. Because Can't be Oxlade Chamberlain. Oh, sorry, Kate, then, sorry. Problem. It'll be Cater then, won't yeah. it? If, he's, if, he's if Cater's badly injured, it'll be Cater. If he's not, probably the goalkeeper, Adrian, because you can get around that with the putting back in if one of your first two's out. Yeah, but Kelleher's still not back, is he? Yeah, I don't think. He's not, is he? That, that's why it's the gamble, isn't it? Yeah. Like, he's back in goalkeeping training, but he's not full, full training, isn't it? So, Something Guy, like I, Guy, I take your point, but I think, no, I think he's, he's, I would be surprised if he plays many games over the, the next couple of weeks because they don't even play no, they don't even play a league when I mean play games I mean start yeah okay start. I, I mean to be honest to be honest I wouldn't be surprised if he, he features in the game at Napoli on Wednesday because he'll, equally he'll with that, there yeah equally equally there with the, the five subs thing I, I think he might be just used as a you mentioned Milner have been kind of last, yeah. last half an hour man he might to, personally I, I think rest. he's going to play I think he's going to play the Thiago kind of role um, it would be my assumption he, I, don't, I don't think he's going to come in and and be, I think it'd be a huge risk to bring him in, having not played Premier League football, to pop him into that number six role and think it's all going to be absolutely fine for him. Klopp tried it with Thiago, didn't he? It didn't particularly work, and then he's he's carved a niche for himself a bit to the but to he, the left hand side. He had to play. He had to play Thiago there because Fabinho and Anderson were playing centre back. So yeah, yeah, fair play, Joe. What's your take on on the midfield and, and the setup of it and, and how it's going? Because at the moment, the midfield hasn't been working for Liverpool really, other than Harvey Elliott. Yeah, it's, it sounds obvious, doesn't it, with Arthur? But I, I think, sorry, Arthur. But I think um, we'll find out how good he is, depending on how many games he plays. Doesn't it? I mean, he, he um, we saw with him before when they signed players like Ben Davis, um, who came in as a bit of an emergency and never featured. So we obviously realised quite quickly that he wasn't quite up to the standards Liverpool needed. And I think at this moment in time, Arthur will play. A fair bit because, like Dorothy says, I think he'll play in some Champions League games. Um, you know, like I, I agree with Doyle in terms of his place in the pecking order, but right now they've got that many injuries that his place in the pecking order will be quite high because Henderson's now injured. Um, 
Uh, Milner, I think you can't ask Milner to play three games in a week. I think Milner will probably start ahead of him if Milner hadn't played a lot of games. But you know they're going to need to rotate to keep people like Milner fresh and fit. So, so I think he might play a lot of games. You know, if it, if he's unless he's really woeful in training, in which case we'll we'll soon find out because he won't feature at all, and you'll notice that others will be used a lot ahead of him. So that'll be interesting in terms of the midfield. Yeah, I. I I, I sound like Mr. Negative. I feel like I've had a bit of a, um, a transplanted toilet. No, but I, I, I look at the games at the moment, and, and whilst I, I agree that I think Harvey Elliott is playing really well, I don't like the balance of the midfield at all. You know, I don't really like Henderson on the left hand side. I think Elliott is you great. Don't have to think, worry about that anymore. Then exactly, he's injured no. now. Yeah, well, but, before we go any further, Joe, the equaliser was played straight through the midfield when they actually got the ball down and played it through midfield. They got the equaliser on Wednesday. I, I appreciate that, you know, and, you know, they created probably their other biggest chance, didn't they, with um, Diaz going Diaz, that was through midfield as well, yeah. Yeah, but but then I, I do think there are times, I really like Elliot, and this isn't a criticism of Elliot, it's it's about Liverpool finding the right balance. Um, and I feel like they have done with Elliot in there, in that position. But with Elliot on the right of the three, obviously he's going to he's gonna cut in and bring it back onto his left foot. And I, I think quite often I find that, he has to take several touches to get it onto his left foot. And even if you look at the chance where, where Diaz goes around the goalkeeper, I mean, it, it is an incredible piece of skill from Elliot who gets it back on his left foot and then takes it and re- and beats his man again, doesn't he? But in doing so, he, he had to do that. He had to come back in and he had to re- beat his man again. And it it did sort of slow the move down. So I, I'm not, that is not criticism of Elliot in particular. It's a criticism of the midfield setup. And I just feel at the moment, it feels quite slow and ponderous, whether that's just a fitness thing and because... A lot of them have been in and out and had injuries and, and not played together that often this season. Whether that just comes with time, with fitness, with, with games together, I don't know. Um, you know, Thiago obviously moves the ball pretty well when he's fit. Um, you know, I'd argue Keita does the same when he's fit, but there's been so much disruption there. Um, it's hard It's hard to get a r- real grasp on it, but, but I've not really found it looks that effective this season. Um, you know, and I, there's just something about the balance of Liverpool that doesn't seem quite right. You know, I thought the Newcastle win was good in the way that it happened. And um, Doyle, you wrote a piece about it, um, your talking point yesterday, which it, I thought was good in the sense that it, it said that that win will mean more than the 9-0 because of the, the nature of it. And quite often that can give you a real boost that you need. But but I did think to an extent that that win papered over some cracks that we're still seeing, that Liverpool aren't really flowing like they, they have in the past. Um, and don't get me wrong, this team has shown in the last few years that it can win games different ways. That you know they're, they're not the free-flowing clock team of, of 2017-18. They are, you know, at times workhorses. They do sometimes muddle through, but I feel like they're muddling through more often than not at the moment. And I, I just, I, I'm not. Something feels off. Um, and whether that just takes a bit of time to click into gear, I don't know. Um, but I'm really interested in the derby because the way Everton play, I think. Um, will be a real test of Liverpool's metal tomorrow. And I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I think it's going to be a real slog. Um, so um, it's going to be fascinating. It won't be entertaining. <laughs> I, no, I, I don't think at all. Before we move on to, to the derby and talk more about that, Theo, is the issue as much midfield, Joe, they're talking about the balance of it offensively in possession and on the ball. Is as much of it not defensively as well in, in how the high line of Liverpool's backline keeps getting caught from opposition, certainly getting the first goal other than obviously in the Bournemouth game. And 
to me, a lot of that seems as though there's time on the ball for the opposition midfield to play it through and expose Liverpool's defensive line rather than, as we've been used to for so long under Jurgen Klopp, a really functional midfield. Well, the team as a whole hasn't really been gelling this season so far for, I suppose, a number of reasons. Part of it is losing players to injury. I think well, they're going to be in the starting eleven. Then you lose them. You have to change the plan again. Um, like the midfield, it just hasn't clicked. Like Henderson, when he was playing, when he was fit, he wasn't at his best. And pretty quickly, you're relying on James Milner to be a starting midfielder again. Now, Thiago's supposed to dictate the play. But lost him on the opening day. Not had a chance to see Cater. All of a sudden, you're turning yeah, to Harvey exactly. Elliott again. I'm generate. Not sure what that is. Can you hear that in the background there? <laughs> it's a we in the meeting room here. Um, you might have to move on if that's going to yeah. go off again. No, that's fine. That was really that was really funny. <laughs> that, that was that was great. There, that was great. Yeah. Little interlude there. Uh, yeah. going, going back to the game on on Wednesday, I think if you're Newcastle, I mean to be fair, I thought Liverpool played really well second half. Um, I think to go, you know, from being one nil down against the Newcastle team, which everyone was saying like, ah, oh, they've missed a, they're missing a few players, which they were. I think it was three, wasn't it? Uh, was it two? I can't remember which. Yeah, but it was, it was some of their bigger names, I suppose. Wasn't but then it? they just signed one, and he played. He yeah. scored. Yeah, and they yeah, were regardless of the and, point and they were just like, half being good. It's conceding again, though, isn't it? Yeah, but don't forget that Newcastle. They're meant to be one of the. Look at from Newcastle's point of view. They go no, I get that, ahead. and they played really well yeah. against Man City. But it, it's, it's, more than just a, it's more than just a, a coincidence, isn't it? It's, it's a, a trend thing now. Isn't it? that's, yeah, yeah, it's setting in. And regardless of who Liverpool oh. play, even when they play City at home, even when they play Chelsea, they don't typically concede first in in so many well, games. What, the, other, the other the other the other thing you got to bear in mind is that the guy who scores most the first goal most times is Jota, and he's been out. And then the other guy who scores the first goal the most times, Salah, and he's nowhere near the goal. I you were know, say Sadio Mane, who's in No, Munich. no, not Sadio He's gone. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. It's, you could have done with Wijnaldum. You know, he's gone. He's been gone for ages. So, you know, we just can't go on about these players. You can deal with what you've got. So, as Theo said, just, they've just got so many injuries in midfield. What do you expect? I mean, there is the, the sense that a lot of the other teams have improved, whereas Liverpool have regressed. And they have, because all of Liverpool's be- a lot of Liverpool's better players towards the end of last season, aren't they? I mean, that, you know, but then can't... Can't you argue oh, for a team? Sorry to interrupt, but because it's okay, I, just interrupt. But, but but can't you argue for a team and a club that does so well at planning and plans three windows? You know, it's the sort of they, they like to have that that they plan three windows in advance or whatever it is. You know, I, the 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 forward injuries I can accept. You know, you don't expect your, your new signing to headbutt someone. You, you know, Jota gets a gets a severe injuries, and you know you look at the bench tomorrow if Jota's back, Nunes is is fit. They've got those two plus Cavallo plus the front three that played against Newcastle and, and Bournemouth. So they're, they're well stocked there. But midfield, we can talk all day, every day about the injuries in midfield. But are you surprised by a single injury that they get in midfield? No. And, and that's because you watch them every week. Theo, you watch them every week. Guy, you watch them quite a lot. All of us know that these players get injured. And, and I don't, and that's not critical of the players because Jordan Henderson is 31, 32. That's just what happens at that time in your career, and 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 surely Liverpool should be planning for that. And, yeah, and I, sorry I to interrupt, yeah. Joe. To interrupt, Joe. Is that they were? I would I would argue that they were planning for it, but I don't think they were planning for them all to get injured at exactly the same time. When does that ever happen? But that's the risk. But that's the risk. Well, it happened with their centre half two years ago. Yeah, it and did. That's, and that's yeah, the look, risk that you take, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's the same for every squad. You can't just stand by and limit yeah, players. Yeah, but, but when you've got. 
That's not six me defending. Eight. That's not me defending FSG no, no. or whatever, have you? Don't, uh, no, but don't no, forget, but when okay, you've got right. six players okay. that are injury prone, that can happen. Anyway, last game. season they were really lucky with Henderson, weren't they? Henderson played like fifty odd games. That wasn't going to happen again. Rather than look at a player and go, oh, actually, is he going to stay fitter for longer? You you equally know what's coming down the track with with a player like Henderson. Then the other argument to that though is that Harvey Elliott's quite clearly going to play most of the games this season the way he's playing. He didn't have to play the game last season, so they've ne- they've negated each other. It's to do with the position that they're playing. You know, Thiago's not going to play all the games. You know that, but normally his replacements cater. He's injured, and sometimes okay, his replaced as Curtis Jones. He's been injured, so it's like. And then if you if you want to throw someone else into the mix, somebody who can provide a bit of thrust from midfield, Oxley Chamberlain. He's injured, so it's all kind of the same kind of defend uh, defender midfielder. It's like I think last season, a uh, season before, when you were talking about the centre backs, Trent was out for a while as well, which people forget. He, he did his calf mm-hmm. at Man City. That's why Nico Williams was playing quite a few games, and I think. The other thing with the defenders was they 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 left themselves short by only going. Well, that they 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 left themselves short. They thought Fabinho could slot in, and then I think somebody else got in. I can't remember. I've tried to wipe that entire time from my mind. Yeah, no, let's let's not bring that up. Let's not not bring that up. Because like there's some of these players, um, like Elliot. He had one bad injury, but he doesn't have a bad injury record. Oxley Chamberlain had injuries at Arsenal. Um, Thiago had injuries at Bayern Munich. Cater didn't actually ever get them really with Leipzig. He played a lot of football and then it's just sort of oh, he breaks down all the time. I think well for me, you know, stay clear of injury for the majority. Salah, Mane as well, they were the same. Liverpool like looking for these players that don't have these injury records, and then they've signed a couple. But then when you've got Cater breaking down, like the centre backs, Canate wouldn't have been predicted that injury on the eve of the season. Whereas you know Matip's going to break down. You know Joe Gomez is prone to the odd injury. It's just luck isn't it whether you've got players staying fit or injured and with Liverpool it's a case of when it rains it pours but they got lucky last year and Matip didn't get bad injuries Henderson Cater they stayed fit for the majority they're all fine at the same time they nearly won four trophies this year all of them get injured and we're back to this sort of debate as we were two years ago with the centre-back I think why have Liverpool got so many injury prone players it just seems to be the case for them we look at other squads and they don't have it happening all at once but then saw a Chelsea, they're moaning about their midfield, saying they're all injured at the same time. Kante's out at the moment. They've had to sign a, was it Zakaria yesterday. Clubs have had to have these issues. It's just they're up against Man City, who seem immune to it, because when they do have someone who's injured, they've just got a world-class player who comes in and takes the place. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So every club has a position or two that they just don't want anyone to get injured in. And for Liverpool yeah, was... at the moment, and Liverpool at the moment, that would be defensive midfield and right back. Okay, that's at the yeah. moment. I think most other positions they can kind of just like cover. Even on the right wing, Jota can come back and play there. You could ask Cavalio, you could even ask Diaz to swap over there, or they could Elliot. just play a diff- slightly different. But Elias as well, yeah. So they can find a way, but they're the two positions. And the problem with Henderson goes back to what I said about Arta or Arthur, as Theo calls him. He's come in because he's a defensive midfielder. And I know, Guy, what you're saying, he might end up playing a Tiago role because he can pass it. But I think if he's going to be getting minutes, I agree with Joe, is that it'll be when he's, he's coming on or, or swapping around with Fabinho. It's, it's, it's funny, though, because I, I think there's been a lot of focus on Liverpool's midfield. And Klopp sort of always alludes to this in his press conferences. It's like, what type of midfielder do they need? Do they, they, need, they need a goal-scoring midfielder? And, and I've never agreed with that. I've never thought Liverpool at their best under Klopp don't get many goals from midfield because that's the way the team functions. That The midfield is, is almost the base for the, the fullbacks to attack, the, the front three to, to sort of rampage. And, 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 and that's why, you know, like 
you're right about Elliot. You know, they they expect him to play a lot of games this year. But he was never. I never really saw him as the issue. He's like a luxury. He's not. He's a bonus. It's it's Henderson, Fabinho, um, Thiago. They're three players, and, and Fabinho more so nowadays. The pick up injuries, and I kind of think you haven't got a good basis of controlling players. The Liverpool team breaks down a little bit, and and, and I think that's what we're seeing, and and that's why I don't really understand. I, I get that they wanted the player whose name we cannot say. Um, too many. Sounds like a, sounds like some sort of like sort of Black Macbeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you I, must I don't, not be named. The, 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 I mean, We're it's funny that we, we, there, we, aren't we, yeah. Yeah. we keep talking about Bellingham, but I mean, that's a gamble, isn't it, from Liverpool? Because what, just what if you know you get through to next summer and Real Madrid come along? There's always there's always that threat, isn't it? I mean, and go, we want Bellingham. What if Man City do it? You know. But all I would say to that, Joe, what I say to that, Joe, is that I don't even necessarily think it's the player that they'd obviously quite want him. They'd have the money, so it could be oh, Bellingham's gone somewhere else. We've got loads of money, which we, we've we got to spend yeah. on one of our other targets. But, but then they might but, take what we need. But they were clearly happy to pay the money, weren't they, this summer for um, for the <laughs> that that shall not be named. <laughs> Chimaney, yeah, you know, he would have cost what did he cost Real Madrid one hundred odd million. <laughs> 85 was 85. So, so it's just it's just interesting. I, I just think that they have left themselves short midfield, and, and I, I, I felt that I felt that last year. I said it at Christmas last year when they fell away a bit in the league and they gave themselves a lot to do. And there's two ways you can look in that. You know, they came very close to winning it, very unlucky by the end by a point. But also, do they leave themselves short at times? Klopp's alluded to himself. If they took more gambles, would they have a few more trophies to show for it? I don't know. Maybe that's a think, really, really harsh way of looking at it. I think, this, I, think I, I think we're on for a, a bumper pod here because we we're thirty three minutes through and we've we've still not even really properly addressed the derby or, or picked our team. That's because we don't want to talk about the derby. The final the final thing I'll, I'll just say on the on the midfield actually, Doyle, as you were talking, Theo, sorry, as you were talking there about all the injuries Chelsea have, Arsenal have injuries in midfield as well. So too do Liverpool. So many of these players as well around the league are picking up muscle injuries in a season in which the campaign's been squeezed in and rushed into a start where we've got so many games. Who knows? Maybe we're playing too much football, but that's uh, that's maybe one for another day. Doyle, I'm throwing over to you the Derby Everton. Uh, what are we expecting from them? They've obviously had a bit of a, a late trolley dash themselves and brought in a few players later in into the window. They've kept Anthony Gordon as well, though. But w- what do you expect from Frank Lampard's side? Well, I watched the game. Well, I watched 70, sorry, about an hour of the game against Leeds in midweek. And they changed it, hadn't they? Because they've been playing five at the back in four in midfield. So they changed it to four in midfield. Uh, sorry, four at the back and five in midfield. I think we know exactly what's going to happen. The reason that they avoided relegation last year is because the Lampard just went, all right, we can't get beaten. We've got to stop conceding goals. And they just put everybody behind the ball. They haven't got a striker as such, have they? Because, well, they've got Rond on there, but, you know. But more pie now as well, haven't they? Oh, yeah, I forgot about it. But then, it, yeah. you know, but then Brighton... The this, this, this was such a weird, weird... That was a weird signing. Right, basically, I, I liken him to Paul Dickoff. He's a bit of a pest. Yeah. So I think he'll do quite well at Everton, actually. But... And I think he'll do well if he plays alongside Calvert-Lewin. But obviously, that's not going to be happening anytime soon for Everton. But he was a striker that, but, that Brighton were for a long time looking for a striker to, to help them out. So then they had one there. They put him on the bench, then sold him. And look where they are now this season. They're doing quite well, obviously. I mean, it's very early days. like. But going back to Everton, 
yeah, they haven't really got an available striker as such, not the, the target man that they'd quite like, especially if you've got wide players like Gordon and Gray and Townsend injured his knee and I've, I've missed somebody else out. McNeil. Um, sorry? Oh, McNeil. Yeah, McNeil. We demand McNeil, him. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's going to be, as as as, uh, as Joe said before, it's going to be a massive slog. Everton will make it really tough. Connor Cody, good signing for them. Don't understand why he left Wolves. Um Although the suggestion was he, he, he loves to play, he loves to play in a three, and yeah. then we went to a four, and then Everton at the on, on Tuesday played in a four, and he, you know he played. Quite and Liverpool well, have had a few issues against back threes though as well, though. Well, they? but in, I think did, the, did Bournemouth play with a back three? Theo started with a four, didn't they? Then they went to a three, and it had all kind of fallen apart by that point. Well, yeah. then most teams do. Most teams do. It's five in defence. It's going to be harder than playing against four, especially if you're playing at home. The difference for Liverpool is they're going to be playing away. They can expect to get. A lot of the lot of the possession. We know what to expect. Anthony Gordon, they'll they'll Everton will look to hit him. He looks to stay on his feet every now and again. And then, you know, he might he might actually cause a bit of an issue, which he's a good player if he if he actually stops falling over, you know. But then, you know, he's not the only footballer in the Premier League who's, who's guilty of that. So I do think it's gonna be a slog. It's just gonna I'm wondering how long the ball's grim, gonna be in play grim, for grim game. Hey, what sorry? I'm wondering how long the ball's going to be in play. I don't for actually. Industry. I don't actually think it's going to be that much of an issue. I don't think no. Frank Lampard said in his press conference that a lot's been way too much has been made of it of their visit to Leeds. Um, and actually, you look wasn't at the ball in play more than any other game in Leeds season so far. Yeah, think, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing though is that Everton are. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a hangover from last season again. What I was saying about the formation, the defensive. It takes a once you get into that kind of mindset, it takes a while to get out of it. So while Everton have got no chance of ever getting relegated ever in the history i think that this season for them you know if they finish about 12th or 13th and unfortunately for them the way things have gone at the moment with the transfers that they've made that might just be it because who they got Idrissa gay's coming will he start he's about as old as milner he's not as old as milner but he's, he's certainly as old as henderson yeah. for example so you know, garner's there he's not had a lot of premier league experience has he the lad they got from united he played for forest was it last year yeah yeah they so got two, the two garner this, brothers in midfield don't they Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, both teams don't really know what to expect from each other because they don't know what the lineup's going to be, which, which will no. make it kind of interesting for the first 15 minutes, at least. Yeah, that's fair. Joe, I mean, going to Goodison Park last year, I actually had it down as one of Liverpool's best wins of the season, actually, the way in which they, they really kind of took Everton apart, given how difficult Goodison Park has, has been for Liverpool in recent years. So many draws there. But I suppose when they went there last year, Benitez was still just about clinging on to his yeah. job and it wasn't a happy place. Whereas yeah. now it feels, albeit they're probably not singing from the rooftops about where they are in the league table, there's a lot of unity at Goodison Park behind and goodwill towards Frank Lampard. And, and Goodison is going to be a difficult place to go tomorrow lunchtime, isn't it? Absolutely. I, th- I think the game at Anfield was more an indication of what Liverpool-Everton games will and should look like. You know, I, I think that game, as you say, it was, it was sort of the end of the Benitez era. The fans had sort of turned. The players had turned, really, hadn't they? You know, Luca Dean put in one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a full-back in that game. Uh, you know, a lot was made of him and <laughs> he certainly doesn't do any defending because Liverpool absolutely ran right down that side and um, yeah and I think the game at Anfield was much more if Liverpool are to win tomorrow I, I think it will resemble something like that where they have to slog they have to fight they have to they have to sort of get down the, get the ball down and try and play and try and make it the most of any chances that they do get because um, Everton make it difficult for them. And whilst they've not won a game yet this season, 
you know, they, they've not looked, they've looked more solid than I thought they would look. Um, you know, Lampard is, seems to be much more of a pragmatic manager than I, than I ever thought he would be. Um, they seem to be able to grind things out and they seem to be able to, to nick goals. So it'd be really interesting. Um, I do think it's a real test of this, this Liverpool team's metal um, because it's been a difficult start, start of the season. They should win this game, but Everton will make it tough for them. And, um, you know, I think if they can get through it and show some fight and, and get three points, then it'll be massive, really. Um, much bigger than Newcastle and much bigger than Bournemouth, but put it that way. Yeah, no, they gave Chelsea a really good game at Goodison Park as well. So, you know, I know kind of the, the XG on that, that Everton far outplayed Chelsea, albeit didn't get anything from the game. And as I say, it was it was a game they really did try and take it to Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, maybe have, have had somewhat of a disjointed start to the season, but we spent plenty of time this afternoon talking about how disjointed Liverpool's start to the season is, albeit recently have, have been picking up the wins. What are you thinking? Where do you think this, this game's won or lost? And don't say, oh, whoever scores more goals. Uh, whoever starts better like we saw at Old Trafford if Liverpool got the first goal at Old Trafford I reckon they'd have won that game to give them confidence and the home ground would have turned they'd have protested more against the owners and it, it would have ended up a very different game but United started well they got control-ish of that game got the goals and then Liverpool had to work hard for it whereas we saw in the Bournemouth game Liverpool 2-0 up after six minutes they could relax they got the job done quite easily against Newcastle. It was the other side. They fell behind, made it a bit harder. We know they've had this issue for what since April of conceding first. If they concede first, or the longer the game goes on, and it's still nil-nil. The Goodison crowd's going to be up for it. They're going to be getting behind the team, and Liverpool are going to get nervous. Whereas if they just start really well, silence that crowd, get the early goal, Liverpool should have enough to win. Um, but for that, you need your defence to be in sync. You need them to actually hold a defensive line and for it to not be so easy to play a through ball over the top or just through them for Gray or whoever to be one-on-one. I think that's how Everton got the goal at Goodison last year, didn't they? It was one of those sort of counter-attacking goals. and They've got that pace there. You need the midfield to stay strong. We'll get to the, the team lineups in a bit, but it's going to be, what, another unseen trio with Henderson out. You know, you're going to have Fabinho there. Elliot's only a couple of options, really. You can complete that trio now. But then you also need someone like Mohamed Salah to really be at the races or need Firmino to carry on the form. Diaz to add a few more goals. I'm saying that after he's got a couple of braces or whatever. But you need it all to come together and Liverpool to put in a team performance to get the sort of result. Otherwise, it is just going to be another horrid watch. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's get into our team selector then here on the Blood Red podcast. The Darwin debate is to be had for Liverpool, but before we get to the top end of the pitch, let's go through the side that we think Liverpool could well select for the visit to Goodison Park. In between the sticks, Alison Becker, as per usual. Doyley, what's your back four for this one? Controversial that you've gone for Alison there. You know, yeah, I know. Always, this, always the kind yeah. of guy to stick my neck on the line. Mm-hmm. Guy by name, guy by name. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, in defence right Uh, I was considering making three changes but I think I better limit it to two um, even though it's only one I think Van Dijk will have to start he was a bit better some of his passing was a bit iffy but he was a little bit better against against Newcastle on Wednesday Andy Robertson probably won't play against Napoli so he'll have to play here although he's been substituted it feels like he's been substituted in most of the games this season Trent was absolutely wasn't very good against uh, 
Trent wasn't very good against uh, against Newcastle, and I do think that Everton will look to possibly capitalise on that. And so I actually think it would, it would make sense. Joe Gomez has done really well since he's come back in playing centre-back, but might be time to move him across to right-back and put Matip in alongside Van Dijk. Now, I know Gomez might feel a bit mm, about that because he's been getting a good partnership with Van Dijk, but I do think this might be a game where it is kind of defensive sensibilities will help, and especially when you consider what's going to be happening with the midfield. Yeah, Robertson has been subbed in all the games bar the game with, with Fulham on the opening day of the season. Interesting, you've gone there with, with Gomez. Joe, do you go along with that? No. Um, <laughs> no. That was a long way. To be fair, I see, I see the logic. And, um, I do think they, they need to be solid at the back. Um, you know, I, I just think with Trent, I see what you mean, but when Trent... When it clicks for Trent, he's, he's still one of Liverpool's best weapons. And I, I don't really like... It's like Salah, isn't it? You know, I'll come to Salah in a minute. I, th- I think has been playing well. But when Salah doesn't play well, he, he can he can look pretty poor. But, you know, you don't want to take him out of the team because he can just bang a couple in. And, and Trent's the same with his, his deliveries. You know, I, I think if you take him out, you lose a big threat. So, you know, it, it's risk versus, versus reward, isn't it, with Trent? And I, I always think the risk is worth it. But... Yeah, I mean, at the back, I was sort of toying with Matip, um, but you know, you, you just look at the the nature of Everton's forwards with um, with Gray and and um, and um, Gordon, and I think you know I'd lean towards Gomez um, on this occasion. I think if Dominic Calvert Lewin had been fit, I'd probably lean towards Matip, but um, but Gomez for me, so so no change. Theo, yeah, what are you saying? Uh, unchanged back four for me. Okay, um, what about what about the midfield then? <laughs> I mean, you can talk about it, but you say it's unchanged, so fair enough. It's unchanged. Don't yeah. care. Uh, don't care. Uh, Fabinho, Elliot, and then it's going to have to be James Milner, captain, in the place of um, Jordan Anderson. Like, like Joe said earlier, I don't like Henderson on that left-hand side, but it's not an issue now, whereas Milner can do that role quite well. So it hopefully means there's going to be a bit more balance with Elliot on the right, uh, sort of game Milner normally does well in. It's like, well, the only other option is really Carvalho, isn't it? There's not really anyone else available if uh, Arter's international clearance hasn't come through yet. No, it'd be very risky to play Carvalho and Harvey Elliott maybe together in that midfield away at Goodison Park. But if there's one man who would do it, it's Ian Doyle. Doyle, what's your midfield? Um, not Carvalho. However, it's not James Milner either. Because Curtis Jones playing on the left of the three because he's actually left-footed. And he's been, you know, we haven't seen him all season. He's right footed. Uh, not left footed, not left footed, sorry. He's but, he's, but he has been playing on the left. That's where he plays. He played on the left. Right. No, he can kick the ball with his left foot. Right. But James, no, he, no, he though, can kick like, the ball with the left foot. Yeah, yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. Yeah. But, but if he was close enough to play and start, wouldn't he have had come on against Newcastle? I did sort of feel that they'd rush well, the back to get on, on, the on, squad. On. And they're going to do the same with Jota because they don't have any other options. No, but no, they're not no. really going to throw him properly. This is my team, Theo. Do you mind? He's two footed. Where is he? He's there. He's there. He's there. He's two foot in my teams now. Honestly. <laughs> Let me finish. Um, so Curtis Jones on the left because he's right footed, obviously. Um, and Fabinho and Harvey Elliott. Now, 
that's on the basis of this five subs thing, and it completely changes you know the starting lineup thing that we do because by the end of the game, it's a completely different team. Milner's definitely going to come on at some point. And yeah, we've never like, we've never predicted the subs exactly. Yeah, will. imagine that. Just predict <laughs> the end, team at the end. Yeah, um, but no, I think Milner's got a part to play, and I do think that it might be better served with him coming on after an hour because you're not going to get more than an hour after Curtis Jones. Bit of a risk having two youngsters in the midfield, but if Everton are going to play. Gay or whoever it is that's going to be playing in there, I do think there's a chance that Liverpool to run around a lot, run around a lot. Just let Fabinho stay back then, and then the other two can run around a lot. And I think that might help in a way because you know you can't complain. People have been complaining like Joe, not complaining, but he made the comment that midfield's a bit old. Well, then put some of the younger ones in to see what happens. Yeah, okay, Joe, who are you agreeing with? He's tempting me, though. He's tempting me with this seductive argument for. Um... <laughs> Seductive Ian Doyle with his <laughs> argument for... Um, it's been a, been a while since I've been called. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing about Jones that sticks in my head is that he just hasn't played footy this year, as he, uh, sorry, this season. So if he played a couple of games... Uh, do you know what? Local last year, Derby. He's playing the community shield. Get him in there. Yeah, screw it. I'm going to throw Curtis Jones in there. Yeah. Same same midfielder as Doyle then for Benio. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. gonna agree. Yeah. Okay, what about what about your forward line, Joe? You can you can lead us on that. Um, well, I, Jamie Carragher replied to Ian Doyle today uh, on Twitter about Darwin Nunes, um, saying throw him in, and I'm I'm 100 on board with that. Um, harsh on Firmino, who I think obviously scored some some good goals, and I, I thought he took his goal ever so well on on, on Wednesday night. Um, really, really good finish. Lovely move. Um, and then saying that again, I just don't really feel like I really think he's playing that well. I mean, Bournemouth aside and Bournemouth was such a freak result. I still feel like he drops very deep, doesn't he? I know he always has, but he drops very deep. And I don't really think he's as energetic as he was when he three few years ago when he could get back forward and be in dangerous positions. And I just think against Everton, the chaos that, that Darwin Nunes could cause, and I think they will try and wind him up. And surely, 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 he's not stupid enough to fall for it. So I just think what we've seen of Darwin Nunes so far... He wasn't he, in midweek. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Doyles and Nunes were all shouting, shouting some Spanish, Spanish swear words. Yeah. Yeah. Some of, us, some of yeah. us were being very professional and remaining yeah. calm. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just like the idea of, of, of Nunes going in there and causing a bit of chaos. Uh, he's a mad player, still can't get my head around him. Just quickly on Salah, um, I mean, Doyle, you said the new he, he was not in, did you say something like he wasn't in dangerous positions or something like that? Early? I think he wasn't near enough to the goal. Near enough to the goal. And it, but it's funny you had Salah, isn't it? Because I think I think he's been very mature this season in the sense that, like, as a senior player, as Liverpool have struggled, he's fought for everything, hasn't he? He's, he's led by example. He, he really... I really think we're seeing the sort of captain side of him come through. And, you know, he, he obviously set up Firmino's goal. I thought it was really, really good play for him. And just the, the little battle at the end um, to, to win the header and, and allow Cavallo to, to hug the ball into the roof of the net. That was great. You know, I, I really think Salah sort of understated again, you know, didn't get a goal against Bournemouth, but was involved in a lot. And I, I really think he deserves more credit this season for, for what he's doing. Um, albeit, I'd love to see him scoring some more goals, but... But yeah, I think um, I think he's been been great in that respect. Yeah, Theo, are you are you going for Darwin Nunez against Everton? No, I'm sticking with Firmino. 
unchanged front three. He is in form. He was so good against Bournemouth and got his goal in midweek. And we're talking about these five subs. Well, if it's going to be a nitty-gritty affair, give Nunes half an hour um, for that final third. Cause the mischief there. Get the game one if it needs it. Uh, but they're still, he's still learning English football. He's still coming to terms with it. I know they've done a lot of work with him behind the scenes, as Klopp said today, getting tactically, physically, mentally, whatever, ready for it. But you can't afford to him lose his head in early on in this one. It's better to cause the chaos off the bench, have a bit of control over the game at first if you can, and then unleash it if you need it. I think I think as much as the talks around Darwin Nunez, I think he could get under the skin of Jordan Pickford as much as the other way round of all the players. <laughs> shall, I know the history. You can't. <laughs> no, no, exactly. I know the history with Jordan Pickford, but equally, there's been a lot of talk about how he's he's he's, he's grown up. He's begun to be a more composed figure around Everton, a real leader for them and whatnot. But in that kind of atmosphere, we've seen him lose his head in it before. I, I wouldn't be entirely sort of shocked, actually, if you play it on the edge and, and actually it, it plays to Liverpool's advantage rather than, than their detriment. Doily, what about your, your forward line, though? Well, Salah and Diaz are playing. Um, I think the, the, the Firmino thing, he's playing well, but it's three games in a week. And a, a little bit of basic research by me uh, yesterday discovered that Firmino's played against 32 teams seven times or more. And Everton's the only team in that he's never scored against. So you could argue he's due a, game, a goal against them. The other argument is that he doesn't necessarily do particularly well against them in terms of goal-scoring threats. Now, if it's Tarkovsky and Cody, he's exactly the kind of player that they don't want to face because he drops off. But then Everton could flood the midfield and he could just get lost in it. And quite funny enough, with, with Joe's seductive Nunes chat... Um, I think uh, oh, you've seduced each other in this yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, get, we'll get a room later. Yeah, yeah. you can stay on the link I'm once we're all gone. We, we can't get a room because you can't do these podcasts in person. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, with Nunes, I think he'll have had two weeks or more than two weeks of just being desperate to play. He'll have seen people. <laughs> you know, yeah, I did see him on uh, on Wednesday, practically in the crowd, telling uh He's learned a bit of English. Let's put it that way. He's learned some swear words that he <laughs> entered towards Newcastle. Um, so yeah, there's that. He'll be absolutely right. And I think while Tarkovsky and Cody would quite relish the challenge, I think as Joe said, he's so unpredictable. No one really knows what to expect. The opposition don't. Liverpool don't because he only just joined. Although they've obviously got a much better idea than some of the others have. So I do think there's that sense of when is the best time to use him. Probably from the start because the crowd will be onto him. And if he just if if Klopp just says to him, look, everybody's going to go after you. Literally, just ignore them, and they'll just keep on going at you. And then the rest of the players can get around and do their thing, and then they'll just get bored with you. Then you can do yours. So he kind of made, he kind of hinted at it, saying if there's a, if there's a player who's using his physical strength or chatting away at you, he's obviously not paying 100 percent attention to his own game. So make more use of that. I'm pretty sure he said that directly after the sending off. And I think obviously that's something that they've spent the last what 15, 16, 17 days just drumming into him. So I think it's going to be lively. The crowd will be straight on to him. But there being more volatile players than um, than Darwin Nunes, who played for Liverpool in a in a derby at Goodison, and Everton in a in a in a derby at Goodison. And, I was going to say Liverpool have had a Uruguayan forward in a Goodison derby. Yeah, and what did he do? He scored and then just did a big diving run to David yep. Moyes. So you know that that never got sent off be. though, did he? That might be the way to do it. So I, I'd rather hope that, you know, Nino score that goes up headbutts right now. Don't do that, please. Yeah, Although especially given the touchline antics yeah, between exactly. Lampard and Klopp if, down the years. If yeah. he is going to do it, don't do it at the wow. last minute, which means I'd have to rewrite all my stuff. 
So just yeah, do no. it kind of like an hour would be a good time. She's going to do that. Um, yeah, fair enough. Right. So yeah, we've, that's me. Too. So I'm going to. Sorry, I haven't said it. Yeah. Start. I'm going to start with it. Yeah, start with it. Yeah, yeah, sound brilliant. Right, we've almost approached the hour mark. Before we go, our team. We don't want to leave. Uh, guys. Score... We don't want to leave. That's why. No, exactly. Our, our score predictions. Doily, you can start. What's the score going to be? Nil nil. Joe, are we going to get any goals? One no. Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Theo, yourself? Uh one 0 One one, right. Let's wait and see how it plays out. Stick across the Blood Red Channel and the Liverpool Echo as per usual. There is plenty to come about the Merseyside Derby over on there as well as here as a on the uh, Blood Red channel. But from Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and Joe Rimmer, they'll catch you later. Meanwhile, today marks my final day at Blood Red. This is my last outing on the pod after three years' time for me to go and do something else. In fact, working with Ian Doyle has just become a bit too much for me to bear. But the only thanks. way is down from here, guys. Yeah, so, something like that. Thank you to everyone who has listened and contributed to the Blood Red channel through my time here. Genuinely, thank you for your time and your company from me for the final Final time. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.